You're listening to Healthy AF Podcast, discussing all things strength, nutrition, and performance. We help people improve performance, reduce injury, and move better. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Howington and Corey Lehman. Welcome back, guys, to Healthy AF. It's Corey and Dave, back for another round of mistakes that we have made. Oh, man, this has been a humbling series (laughs) just to remember these mistakes that we've made and probably not done making mistakes. It really is humbling. Just when you think you have everything figured out, you realize you really don't know much. That's true. But that goes to the point that fitness is really a journey and not a destination, even though that's a little cliche. It's true. We want to make sure that we're continuing to evolve and grow and adapt with what the science says, how our body feels, and we're constantly making changes. Yeah. I mean, you got to embrace the process. That's one of the things I love about fitness. Which is kind of like this overarching thing that you and I, Dave, have talked quite a bit about, but it's this idea that some exercises are good and some exercises are bad. Um, or demonizing some exercises. Now, to give myself a little bit of pat on the back, I like to look back on my playing career, and I think, you know what? I was a fairly successful athlete. I played um, in the FCS Football League, Division One AA, and I was an all-conference linebacker, and I did it um, by pretty much squatting a lot of weight, benching a lot of weight, power cleaning, and doing quad extensions on the leg extension machine like i chuckle now and and for me the pendulum swung so far that i was like if anybody talked about doing leg extensions for example for like 10 years i'm like you're an idiot you know nobody should nobody should do that that's a horrible exercise um but now as i've just kind of had more time in the industry and been able to evaluate sort of the reason behind why we do exercises, I've had to step back and not just with that exercise, for example, but eat my words more than a few times because the reality is it really depends on who you are, your injury history, what your goals are um, that determines exercise selection. Yeah, I, I agree. I think context is huge and it's easy to demonize exercises without knowing context or even knowing somebody's form. I think a common example is squats hurting the knees when if you look at the way they're doing the exercise, it's not the squat that's hurting them, it's the way they're doing the squat or something like that. And I think uh, there's a, I think it's Tony Gentilcourt that actually says, it's not the exercise that's hurting you, it's the way you're doing the exercise that's hurting you. What if the squat does hurt your knees? What's going on? I mean, again, context matters. There's a multifactorial there, a loaded question. Uh, but I think like there could be a slew of issues from either they are not keep maintaining a good pelvis orientation, they are maintaining firm foot contact, which even then that doesn't necessarily matter, um, or even too they just haven't built up the tissue resilience to manage the load that they're using. Hmm. So let's say Dave, there's no trauma to the area. Let's say that. There's no like significant arthritic changes or meniscal damage or ligament damage to the knee. If you were to guess without knowing a person, like if we have somebody listening right now and they're like, yeah, squats bother my knees. What are like the two things you're going to? Well, the first thing I would look at is I want to watch their form, see what's going on with their form. 
Uh, how are they initiating the descent of the squat? Because that's usually where you're going to feel the knees the most. Um, but then also, too, I would want to see what kind of load they're using. Um, can they manage using body weight load? If a body weight squat hurts their knees, then maybe I'll limit the range of motion until they even build up the resiliency to perform a full range of motion. What do, you, do you think some people just make up the pain in their head? I mean, yeah, I think... Not to be mean, but like... No, yeah, I think pain is highly neurological, it's highly emotional. Uh, I see this a lot with low back pain. Uh, I think the numbers are there's like two-thirds of adults have a bulging disc. I think it might be even more than that, but are asymptomatic. Um, and so, like, pain is very much an emotional, neurological sometimes illusion that is going on in our brain. Now, it's not to say the pain you're experiencing isn't real. It's just to say that sometimes there's a psychological game at play. Yeah, like sometimes people are like, oh, this hurts, and I'm like, you're fine, suck it up. But maybe that's just me being, uh, maybe that's just my childhood programming, like my dad talking to me, like, hey, rub some dirt on me. (laughs) I mean, you might not be wrong. Like, I've definitely had it sometimes where I, like, maybe feel a little twinge, and I just... You know, like, or oh, whatever, I'm fine. Like, it's not nothing yeah. serious. Now, don't get me wrong, there is acute trauma, which is going to be painful. But I think a great example of this, actually, fun fun story is uh, I burned my hand. We won't go into the details on uh, Saturday. And uh, it was really painful. But that was because it was a first-degree burn. If it was more serious, if it was a third-degree burn, I probably wouldn't have felt any pain at all. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even know you burned your hand, Dave. What yes. the heck? I got the bandage on. I guess. I see the Band-Aid now. I'm kind of a bad friend. I don't even ask these things. Oh, no, you're but, fine. Uh, no, I just, I, I kind of wonder about some of these, like, squats, for example. And not to derail us, but, heck, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> you know, like, it, when I think about squatting, like, in, in, unless you have some significant... Um, deterioration in the knee or some type of significant injury like you should be able to squat and even then I it's I mean I hesitate to use this because it, 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 even then it's not a hundred percent that you can't squat even with some significant injury um, and granted anecdotal evidence n equals one there's all the science terms of like you know it works for some people it might not work for others right mm-hmm. context is key uh, a great example, though, is uh, the knees over toes guy on Instagram. I'll give him a little shout out. He had like three major surgeries on his knee. And if you ever see the dude, the stuff he does with his knees is insane. Um, so I think there is a psychological game at play. And you also have to consider like context is king. Do you think that everybody should do some type of some type of extras like should everybody squat in some capacity i will say everybody should squat but the keyword is in some capacity my squat is going to look different than your squat Mm -hmm. and there's a whole again host of factors that play a huge influence on that you mean not everybody should maybe be shoulder width apart toes pointed straight ahead squatting all the way down or squatting to 90 or some type of specific prescription oh even just you your legs might not even look the same like i know for me when i squat my left leg has more external rotation my right leg has more internal rotation so i find the most comfortable squat pattern for me is my left leg slightly rotated out my right leg slightly rotated in 
and I can get a comfortable depth. Okay, I can that, you know that's motion. not going to work for people with OCD. Like they're going to be like, wait, <laughs> I can't. I have to be equal. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but our bodies are naturally asymmetrical. Like our heart, if if our bodies were symmetrical, our heart would be on the middle of our chest. It wouldn't be slightly on the left. So is the pursuit of symmetry uh, something that's not really attainable? I would say to many extends yes i think the pursuit of symmetry really started with um with bodybuilding right yeah um so like bodybuilding you know if we look at everything that's influenced the fitness industry a lot of things that we come up with nowadays is still based on bodybuilding roots and bodybuilding you want to try to be as symmetrical as possible and so i think while i would hesitate to say the root of symmetry like symmetry isn't 100 percent attainable you should, it should still be manageable. You want to try to make sure there's not huge discrepancies left to right, but you also need to understand that you're never going to have it perfect. Yeah. Well, I think about that. Like we we both work with a lot of overhead athletes, so baseball, tennis, lacrosse, and a lot of times these athletes are really developed on one side of their body, like their dominant side. Do you think that? the weaker side should be prioritized in the weight room? I mean, if they're an athlete and they need their right hand more than their left hand, I would try to make sure that I maintain the left side so that's not a liability, but I wouldn't necessarily prioritize it if I'm going to forsake the right side. Yeah, well, I guess sometimes, like, I've pursued symmetry, but I wonder, like, how much of that is a mistake in the sense of like, how much can this really be fixed? For example, let's say we've got a pitcher and he's a righty and you, he's throwing hundreds of times in a given week, yeah. you know, through practice or just playing around or actual pitching. Like, is there any way I'm going to be able to provide the same type of stimulus to the left side or are we chasing something that is maybe a waste of time? I would say if your goal is symmetry, then you're wasting your time because he is spending tens of thousands of hours using his right arm. Your goal should be to make sure that you build up the right arm in such a way that you reduce the risk of injury um, and you should build up the left side and not neglect it, but to chase the symmetry on the left side, to bring it up to the right side, I would say is a waste of time until maybe he's done with baseball and then you, and then even you have to consider his goals after that. If he wants to be a bodybuilder, then sure, you know what, we'll chase symmetry. But yeah. if he doesn't want to be a bodybuilder, we still might not chase it to be perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. I think um, that's probably one of the big mistakes then I can chalk up to myself since you're sitting here enlightening me, um, is this idea that we are going to create symmetry in the weight room, specifically with people who do a lot of dominant unilateral activity to one side. Yeah. Um, I think it's not a mistake per se to go after symmetry, but maybe the mistake is more the expectation. You I know, agree. managing the expectation. Hey, this is what I'm going to get out of it. Yeah, I think I agree. I think that's a great, great way to say it is chasing symmetry is not a bad thing. But the expectation, and then even too, maybe over-prioritizing it can lead to issues. 
Um, and I think this brings me to like a mistake I've made is just the idea, and I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, is just the idea of what I now call the F word in fitness is functional training. And like for me, you know, talking about pendulum swinging, I used to like foo-foo any type of machine. You know, if, it's not, if you're not doing body weight, if you're not just only using kettlebell, dumbbell or barbell like exclusively then you're not actually training well and we hear it all the time in here right like we're we have people come in and they say well you guys don't have a lot of equipment or a lot of machines that's because you believe in functional training right and and part of me is like i get the intent of what you're saying and but we really and at one point i would have agreed kind of like what you're saying but now i'm like actually we don't have any problem with machines we just really don't have a ton of space for them. <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of space. It's just the layout. You know, we don't have the space for machines. And I agree. I think, like, one thing I've learned is when we going back to squatting, probably the best way to have someone squat is a hack squat. Um, you're going to build good strength in the legs. You're going to train the squat pattern. You're going to build up the muscles in the quads. And even for athletes, you're doing so without having to worry about loading the spine in an unsafe manner. Uh, and so then if you really want to work on explosive work, have them jump, right? Um, the other thing too is like the, the going along with that is even just fooling myself into thinking that work that we do with the barbell is going to directly transfer to their sprint performance. When in all honesty, while the barbell will make them stronger and might indirectly contribute to a better performance, what's going to make them better at their sport is them actually playing their sport. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I, I'm just sitting here now going through all these machines I've demonized. You know, I'm kind of <laughs> off, in, off in my own world. How about this one, Dave? This is a big mistake I, I've made a lot, uh, which I came around a couple of years ago. But this idea that if you want good posture, you need to make sure you are just doing a crap ton of pulling you need to do pull-ups you need to do rows you need to do band pull-aparts you need to deadlift you need to do cleans you need to do all these things because you, you pretty much you need to pull three times as much as you press and then that'll make your shoulders sit back and you'll have good posture i laugh because i used to think the same thing in fact you know back when i was in college and tried to start my own blog when those were a thing and actually had an article about how you need to like there's a two to one magical ratio of push to pull and everything like that and it's kind of like i realized those those numbers are kind of arbitrary right like i do think for my like one of the numbers i give for myself is i want like a lot of single leg for my athletes versus double leg i still want double leg but even still like i think the two to one push to pull ratio and just the idea of perfect posture just I've realized aren't real and like like you said it came to me like two couple of years ago where i realized like you know if you sit in like what's quote unquote perfect posture after a while it gets really uncomfortable and i think that's your body signaling you like hey like i need to change my posture and i think uh it's there's a couple physical therapists that will say um the best posture you're sitting the best posture is the one you're not in and we yeah. talked about that too And so I think that mistake of like all that pushing and pulling, we neglect some of the muscles that are so pivotal for upper body mechanics. So this is really hard to do over a podcast, but one of the most important things we can have is a rib cage. And especially if you think about the bottom of your rib cage, you need to be able to own that positioning. 
And a lot of times pulling and rowing and doing all that work, not to say those are bad exercises by any means, but they have a tendency to force that ribcage to flare. And so what you need to do is a reach where you reach as far as you can and that will help encourage a better ribcage positioning. So you need to couple those two together because you need the strength of the shoulder blades and the rowing will help with that. We also need to make sure you have some reaching exercises that help set that ribcage into a more quote unquote neutral position. Yeah, one quick test you can do for that, just to kind of give you a visual, is if you lay on your back um, and the bottom of your rib cage kind of prominently juts out, it, it's probably going to a little bit regardless, but if it's kind of prominent, um, that may be a sign that you are kind of overextended or you've overprioritized some of your, your pulling versus some of your pressing. Um, and Dave actually uses the term reaching. Um, which is another mistake I think we've, we've probably made is we haven't realized a lot of times how pressing exercises sometimes are dominated by the lats, mm -hmm. which really, um, like for example, lats are used a lot in the bench press, but people don't ever think that they just think, you know, chest and triceps. Well, you're not really creating balance when you bench press and then you pull up and then you row. Sure, you're hitting some different muscle groups, but all three of those hit lats. All th three of those might pull you into a posture of like this flare rib cage. So that's why a lot of times we've worked more to help people understand that it's not so much pressing, but it's incorporating reaching exercises that help reposition your rib cage which is important for um, a ton of things, but you know, in short, breathing patterns, um, how the shoulders move, um, how the rest of the upper body moves, how it interacts with the pelvis and overall stability. So I chalk that up as maybe one of our, I wouldn't even call it a mistake. I think it's just something we've learned yeah. and adapted from. Well, I think that's the key with like even just these podcasts these past couple of weeks is just I don't even know if you can say these are mistakes. Like the beauty of mistakes and the beauty of failure is you're going to learn from it, right? So we've experienced, we've made the, we've made the quote unquote mistakes, but from them, we've taken those as an opportunity to learn and get better. And I think that's where a lot of us, a lot of times we can fall short is that you make a mistake, you dwell on the fact that you make a mistake and you don't take the time to learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. So learn from our stuff. Um, this is kind of fun. I kind of like talking about mistakes. Yeah, maybe we'll do another one next week. Yeah, maybe we will. Maybe we'll keep it going. You'll have to let us know, peeps out there. Um, until next time, guys, learn from our mistakes. Just keep growing, stay fit, and stay healthy AF. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy AF Podcast, where we help athletes and adults move, perform, and live better. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to go ahead and click that button right now. And if you found value in this episode, we'd love if you would do us a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. We'll see you on the next show.